0: Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union podcast. I am your host Brian, the Soul Man Solak. We are joined by Matthew, that damn dirty duck page in the background there, producer. And today we have a very special guest, a former Wazoo legend who brought back a, a winning Apple Cup after 70 years and took us to the Rose Bowl back in '98. Ryan Leaf, how you doing? I'm good, Brian. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Uh,
1: good to talk to you.
0: Good to talk to you as well. Um, I, I want to start out, I mean, we got lots of questions, but we'll narrow them down. But you were born in Great Falls, Montana. What was it like growing up there in Great Falls, Montana?
1: Uh, it, you know, it, really tight-knit community. Um, you know, agriculture, a big, big component to the uh, economics of it all my grandfather ran a cattle and and wheat ranch so we spent a lot of time out there um you know and sports was uh an institution in that state right I mean you just <clears throat> you know you went from football to basketball to baseball um run track my dad got me into golf so you know I, I would I would say it's a pretty it was a pretty good childhood uh once my my talent Kind of started placing me above everybody else, and that pedestal kind of started to rise. Um, then things began to be difficult because people started noticing me. Uh, and they were very judgmental on and how I how I played or how I behaved, uh, and then it became a real toxic place to grow up in because you know I was just head and shoulders better than everybody else, and I just wanted to get out of that small town uh, to try to make something of it. You know, I wanted to play some sort of professional sport. And, you know, the, the guys I looked up to were the fab five, like Jalen Rose, right. It, it, it wasn't, um, you know, kind of the conservative straight laced. I, I I wanted to showboat. I wanted to play. I I figured that was the only way for me to get out of the, of the small town. And so, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, the difference about it and the way I look back at it now. And um, you know, the difference was, is they were adults. They were, you know, grown-ups and I was a child. Um, and so I could, I can see uh, my resentful behavior. I, it, it, it kind of haunts me a little bit of that, it were, that it was adults feeding that judgment back at me, uh, growing up. So, um, you know, my dad was really good about it. He, I mean, my dad had been through two tours in Vietnam. So that guy, like, like there was nothing like, like, this is nothing. Stop making this a big deal. You know, um, where on the other side of that coin my mom just thought it was the end of the world if uh if anybody was critical of her son or more importantly critical of her uh for how she may be raising him right like that's mm-hmm. that's got to be that's incredibly difficult as a parent you know And when, when people are critical of like who's raising that kid you know what's when 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 they're doing a great job and uh um it's all about choice on my part so uh, it was it was a good childhood um and then it became you know one that was was difficult to deal with as a kid who was just, you know, arms and legs more talented than everybody else trying to figure out his path without anybody as a trailblazer.
0: You decided – I know you took a recruiting trip to, I believe it was Miami, it was Dennis Erickson. Uh, didn't didn't he want to make you into like a tight end or a linebacker from what I recall? He
1: didn't, but he also was – he also had his sights on, on an NFL job. So I don't know how truly okay. committed he was, and that's how – uh, you know he was honest with me he told me that but he also said the recruiting coordinator saw me more as a as a tight end type okay and so it was it was great that he was honest with me about it i i don't think i was really um looking seriously into the university of miami it was so far away yeah. um, my recruiting trip i think was just to go uh, experience it um but it was a, it was quite a culture shock from the young kid from montana i'm glad i did it uh, got to experience it um i was you know really really happy that that coach erickson was was honest with me and then it it turned out to be a good thing because uh eric price who was mike price's son was a ga at miami at the time for um for dennis erickson in miami and, I remember, and mike told me the story about eric calling him like the next day like you know i think we got i think you got a shot he he he, he told uh the coaches that he probably wasn't going to come here so that was the that was a neat deal too so what small world would close the door
2: on 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 your commitment for wazoo what what made you ultimately say this is the place for me i want to go here
1: mike price you know uh, (laughs) um straight any coach could have any (laughs) coach could have done this uh he called me the day of the rose bowl it was 1994 january 1st it was wisconsin ucla and uh he asked me what I was doing. I told him I was watching the Rose Bowl, and he just he said something. I think he just said something off the cuff. Maybe it was like something he had, you know, shilled to everybody when he recruited. But he just said, "Hey, you know, I'll make you a deal. You come here, we'll go play in that game together." And I bought it in that moment, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, I, I just I believed him. I just did. He had just finished coaching Drew Bledsoe, who was the number one overall draft pick in 1993, and I just. Um, I believed him and so I ran into mom and dad's uh bedroom I think they were watching the game on their little tv or something and I just popped my head in and said I'm going to Washington State and popped my head right back out they kind of looked at each other and thought okay you know it's it was the only trip my dad went with me on I went on the other the other two by myself and uh I remember at the exit interview uh coach price turned around to his, his coaches after my dad and I left and and he said, "My dad's just really stoic, right? Just taking everything in, not really showing any emotion." And Coach Price looked at his staff and said, "Well, he ain't coming here. His dad hated this place, and uh, <laughs> my dad actually loved it. It was he, he loved it, and and uh, it was the best 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 decision I've ever made."
0: What was it like bringing a, bringing a Rose Bowl to Pullman? I mean, we haven't been there for what was it, seven years? About fifty-seven, yeah. Yeah, what was it like you, for you as a player, as a person? To...
1: Well, I always thought it was possible and Coach Price used to put this this superimposed um photograph in the locker room, right? It was a mm-hmm. picture of the Rose Bowl and he had superimposed Washington State uh in the end zone. And so we looked at it every day we were in that locker room and then when the goal became unattainable, like our sophomore year, my sophomore year when we had you know been mathematically eliminated from the rose bowl opportunity he removed the the photo and it pissed me off i mean I, it just absolutely pissed me off i remember the day he took it out i went like screaming like a little child into his office put it back put it back <laughs> and he just said i'll put it back when it's an achievable goal again and it's just it's not and uh i just hated that and i just kind of made it like a deal with with I myself i don't know my teammates everybody was like that 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 photo's not coming down here this year. It's just not, he, he switched up a game. He put UCLA at the beginning of the year and i been back to back games with UCLA and USC. So it was either going to be the best thing he ever did, or it was going to be the worst decision he ever made. And, and, uh, and, you know, we went about our business. We had a ton of uh, senior leadership. We had some really good football players on that team, walk-ons, uh, just a collective all the way around. And it's really special. I mean, it's, 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 it's lasted the test, you know, the, the test of time, right. It's been 25 years since we did it and it's still, you know, the greatest football team that Washington state's ever uh, put on a field. So, um, you know, it's really proud of it. Um, uh, what a, what a dream year season of destiny. I think they kept calling it Heisman trophy finalist got to represent the school, the team, my coach. Um, that was, that was really special and it's something that I, I still firmly hold on to.
0: Would we have scored the touchdown had we had two extra seconds against Michigan? Would we have scored?
1: You know what? I'd like to think we would have. You know, <laughs> we had a good play call. We had a really good play call. Puts a lot of pressure on one guy who has to probably cover two. And then I just make the choice. And then I have to be accurate. Um, I would have loved the opportunity. I probably should have just called the play and not spiked it. You know, you're in that moment and the sidelines yelling, spike it, spike it, spike it. Mm -hmm. You just, and you think, you know, it's two seconds. I could snap the ball and spike it in two seconds. That's not going to, not going to be an issue. Um, You know, just a a lot of things had, you know, it could have been, it could have been a mute point, you know, our running back on the flea flick on the uh, hook and ladder could have stepped out of bounds. Uh, And instead of being at the 26, we'd have been at like the 30 or something like that. I mean, just, there's so many things that we could have done differently in that moment, you know. We got pretty lucky. They may have, you know, may have got a, a push off on Nyan Taylor on a big uh, Hail Mary I threw down the sideline uh, when he shoved, uh, I think he shoved Woodson to the ground. Um, so, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, yeah. I like that there's a controversial ending to it because we can always go to that and kind of say, we didn't <laughs> lose. We just, we just ran out of time. And, uh, and they had to change the rule, right? They had to change the rule after that game that now you cannot spike the football. In college football, unless there's three seconds left on the clock, they just made it an outright rule. So there's no longer any controversy. So when you roll up there and there's two seconds on the clock, you know, you have to call a play and not spike it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was curious uh, what your thoughts are about the impending. Some people are calling it the implosion of the PAC 12 uh, or the new horizon, the new condition, the new, paradigm I guess someone to put a, put a positive spin on it um what the future holds what your thoughts are regarding the pac12 I
1: you know I I don't think it's a good future to be honest with you no. I, I think ultimately college football is going to be two giant super conferences okay mm-hmm. with anywhere from 18 to 22 teams mm-hmm. and some of them are going to be plucked from everywhere like the, I mean the ACC is not going to exist at that point you know it's the national collegiate football league i i assume what it will be called you'll have an east and west conference um and and split it right down the the middle of the country i think and 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 have a big playoff you know 16 teams of the top you know 44 teams in the country and the teams on the outside of that are going to be you know left to hunt for something new and unfortunately you know i don't know if washington state makes that cut right in terms of revenue and everything like that and i don't I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. What I do think is that it's it's it sucks that if they were to have a year like our 17 where we got a chance to really play for a national championship, that that wouldn't be possible anymore. Uh, that they would have to win a a, a national championship at a, a bit of a lower level, which I think they could could really dominate. You know, it wouldn't be a it still would be the Pac Conference, whatever that looks like, right? It's going to be a Pacific Conference, and I think that they would be a a real player in that. You know, I that. At some point, it's going to get there. I don't quite know when I, I don't think the, the media rights deal is going to be, you know, anything to to really call home about here when it finally comes down. Uh, and I know George Klyovkov has been busting his tail to get it, get it done and get it done the right way. Um, you know, losing, you know, two of the you know top brands in the in the conference is going to be incredibly difficult after next year. Um, but, you know, they're going to keep trudging along. I mean, Washington's going to be good. Washington State's going to be good. Oregon State, Oregon. You know, Arizona's coming back around now. You got, um, you know, Utah. And it, I mean, the conference is is solid, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it is. It's competitive and it's solid. It's just a matter of whether you can generate money. And ultimately, this is going to come down to a spreadsheet placed in front of presidents of universities. Yeah. Right? They're going to be like, okay, uh, we, we can't afford to stay in this in this mix we're gonna we're gonna shuffle and shuttle it away and so it, it's it's ultimately going to come down to a spread state uh, a spread a spreadsheet which is you know a tough thing to handle especially from an athletics standpoint
2: yeah we've, we've talked about it on our show in the past about how we're worried that like you know if washington and oregon would probably bail because you know once you're out of the loop you're going to lose out on recruits you're going to lose out on money and it's going to be incredibly impossible to catch back up So you can't stay out of the loop for long. So the danger there is you're going to, the pack just starts hemorrhaging teams and universities really, but uh, yeah, but I still
1: always think there's going to be a Pacific conference and I think
0: Washington
1: state's State's always going to be
0: a part of that. Moving on. I want to talk about playing in the NFL. Um, My, a lot of questions, but my main question is, what 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 positives did you take away as a person from playing in the NFL? I mean, if you were to talk to an up and coming player from Wazoo or something who's excited for the draft, what would you tell them? The positive things about playing in the NFL? It's it's just the I mean
1: it's the 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 pinnacle right of what we've always wanted to achieve, and it's the the greatest thing in the world. And then it's just a matter of how you go about your business. And there are guys that. Just absolutely um, are able to do it at an incredibly high level, um, physically, mentally, behaviorally, and there's others that just really struggle with uh, with that. And it's not because they're not talented. I mean, some of the most talented players of all time have not been successful in the NFL because of the three three things I just talked about, and um, and maybe not landing on the right team and all. Of, it just it's, it takes a lot that goes into it, a lot of luck if you get a look you know make the most of it and understand that that you should have a plan b because um simply put the average length of a career in the nfl is 2.8 years and that's you know you're the the exception are the aaron Rodgers and the tom brady's and the peyton mannings those are those are the exception to the rule the rule is you're out of the league in three years when you're what 25 years old so you're going to have to have a life Uh, and a purpose moving forward so those are probably the biggest things I I tell young young players when they're about to I speak to a lot of colleges every fall uh, those football teams and you know I I talk to them about the reality right of the percentage of of what you know because every guy in that room when I and I say you you know how many you want to play in the NFL like the entire room raises their hand and I'm like okay and now I want you to raise your hand and you to raise your hand and you look around and these two guys are raising their hands I'm like that's amount of guys that will go to the NFL. And I said, I want one of you to put your arm down. That's the guy that will play, uh, three plus years. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's hard to hear, but it's a harsh reality because it's true. So you got, doesn't, I don't, I don't mean go to right to plan B. You can have plan A as long as you can and go after that goal. Just understand, you know, what you're up against and, and, and just, you know, be pragmatic about it. So that's, that's usually my, uh, you know feed that dream feed that dream feed that dream and understand that you're gonna you know ultimately no matter what no matter if you play 20 years you're gonna have to have something on the back burner to, to take over because even if you play for 20 years you're only be 40 years old right it's yeah you still got you know hopefully 50 years of your life left that you got to figure out how to to do it in the right way
2: so would right you on. uh would you say then that you're probably i'm uh, i'm 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 curious uh your position on like the XFL and the USFL and these these developmental leagues offering more opportunities to players are you you're in support of that oh of course
1: i mean i mean just just like just like the transfer portal i'm you know it's it's weird don't get me wrong it's weird but <laughs> yeah if you if you if you have your last chance to play football like if your final year of college football so you're not going to go play pro football you may get in camp somewhere but ultimately you're going to get cut and and end up you know with doing your doing the job you need to, do. yeah any anything that you can do to continue to play the the great sport as long as you can then then i am all for it right i don't think people are spinning their wheels by going to uh you know, uh, you know, intermediate professional league, you're getting to play football. It's something I didn't comprehend. Right. I was so prideful in the fact that I wasn't a starting quarterback, you know, instead of kind of just, you know, taking the route of Rick Meyer, who didn't have the success that drew Bledsoe did right. And just become a backup and just, you get paid millions of dollars to play football for a living. You know, I was just so prideful about being the starter. If I wasn't the starter, who was I? Right. I was nobody. Yeah. And that's how I, that's how I looked at it. And that's certainly not the case.
0: Uh, with Brian Leaf of 2023 of Bryce young from Alabama, who's many expect to go top two, three in the draft. What, what advice would you give them coming from you? Uh, Ryan Leaf of 2023, how to handle the insanity of being such a top draft pick starts over right? Everything
1: you've accomplished to that point, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't. It starts over. I just, I thought I carried it along with me. Like I, you know, I was entitled to, to praise and, and glory and stuff. And I'd say, Hey, you went to Alabama. I mean, the perfect example of this is look at Tua Tungvaloa, who was a national champion winner at Alabama, uh, all American, incredible player. And, you know, he's had some real ups and downs in the NFL, right? Uh, constantly critiqued, you know, finally had a great year this year, uh, but still is much maligned by people who because of the expectations that come with being the fifth overall draft pick, right? Yeah, And so that's going to exist for Bryce. And he may go to a bad team and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to be considered the savior of, of the city and the franchise. And all that pressure is just, is overwhelming. So I just, I would tell him, I go into the, the locker room, find a guy that's played eight plus years in this league. Cause there's only a thousand of them ever who have played eight plus years in the NFL in the hundred years of the NFL, go find that guy, ask him how he did it and then follow his advice verbatim. And I guarantee you, you will have some success because you're super talented. You wouldn't be in that position if you weren't. So that's, that's almost the biggest advice I give to everybody. And then especially as quarterbacks, uh, I tell them they got to see themselves as a, a, a CEO of a fortune 500 company because okay. essentially they are right. They are the brand yep. that's going to run a franchise. So uh, look at it that way. Invest in you, right? Everything you put into something—you don't put it into a nice house or a nice car. You put it into a chef. You put it into a masseuse. You put it into, um, you know, mobility. You know, just look at the Tom Brady blueprint, uh, and, and then the reason why he's playing at my age, right there. That's what you invest in as a CEO of a Fortune 500, and then, that, and that's that's what a quarterback is at the NFL. So that's those. That's all the advice I would probably give those guys heading into the league. With all that.
0: Okay. Uh that may that's great
1: advice, in my opinion. Um hey uh guys, uh the the basketball game got canceled, so we can go go longer if you want.
0: Okay, okay. Just appreciate that. Um I think it was last year, 2021, you came out with Bus the Ryan Lee story, a podcast about you, and you did like a chapter by chapter thing. Had me in tears. I'm sure I'm not the only one in America. I mean, it was amazing, but I, I know you're just talking about your life story, but it, it, it spoke to me and what, what, was the reasoning behind it? I mean, why didn't you just do a, write a book or, I mean, t- tell us a little about the Ryan Leaf story.
1: Well, at first it was, um, I found it very interesting to see, uh, in, in all the genres of sports, um, individuals who had ton, tons of expectation on them and they didn't meet it and and the judgment and and criticism from people was overwhelming and so much so that it affected them emotionally behaviorally um and so that was the initial thought my wife and I really came up with it and we took it to a bunch of different networks it was we were going to call it busts um and it was going to be like a docu series and i was going to interview uh you know Johnny Menzel or Jamarcus Russell or Anna Kornikova uh, or Michael Kim, you know, I, Michael Kim's story fascinates me. Uh, the decision to take an insurance policy rather than ever play golf ever again. Things like that. So uh, when he was the next tiger for Nike. And and so that really interested me. And we had some real traction with HBO and Showtime and then, you know, the pandemic hit. And, uh, and so a friend of mine, uh, Kevin Connolly, uh, who had started this podcast network, um, we were playing golf and I kind of started talking to him about the project and I said, maybe we just use my, use me as the, the test balloon here and showcase and show people what, what it can be like. And let's just, let's do it in podcast form and let's just sl- slam me down right in front of a microphone and, and just, uh, and do what I do. I mean, I travel the country and speak for a living, so let's do it in front of a microphone, but, but more intense, more transparent, you know, more vulnerable, um, you know, in a 10 to 12, uh, you know, episode arc for, and uh, he was great as a producer um, and we just knocked it out. You know, we knocked it out. We released them uh, week by week, episode by episode. Um, my my wife said I cussed too much, but I mean, that that's... <laughs> I I, I, I hate that people think cuss words are like, you know, like the end all be all uh, of morality or anything like that. It gets across the point a lot better in some instances. And uh, it it was overwhelming and how well it was received um, and the impact it had and the people who reached out to me for help, who utilized it, who listened. One guy wrote to me and said he's listened to it from start to finish like 10 times. And that's that's the cool thing about this podcast Is that it's evergreen right i mean it doesn't matter when you listen to it it's not topical right it's 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 always topical so if you listen to it five years from now because you're struggling or your family members struggling or something like that um it's it's perfect timing for it so kevin and i are just you know every time we uh we kind of feel like it needs to be get put back out there we'll re-release it and we'll add a couple like episodes bonus episodes and we've done that recently i I had the 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 reporter that I yelled at Jay Posner on and okay. then I have a couple more coming out here in the next couple of weeks where I sp- uh I had my uh warden from my prison on uh as well as Mike Price. Uh so those those three bonus ep- uh bonus episodes are going to come along with the re-release and and so uh you know um, it's 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 a powerful it's a powerful deal and I'm I'm so so grateful that it's been received so well.
2: Just, just real side note for our listeners: uh, it's available where you a can listener? get it
1: anywhere you get anywhere your podcast. Uh, Apple uh, Podcast One is essentially the 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 uh, team we're using, uh, okay. but I mean, you can go to Apple um, anywhere you get your podcast. Okay. Cool.
2: Yeah, I what? sound. I have to admit, I I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, and I'm 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 really looking forward to it. Sounds sounds amazing. Um, That's
0: very good what you mentioned mike price so you just talked to him recently what's he up to these days just we're, we're, we were both curious talking before the show he's
1: yeah. being a, he's being a good grandpa you know that's <laughs> what he's doing he's got okay. you know he had three kids who have had who have big families and you know they're back in the northwest uh and him and eric his oldest son have kind of started a quarterback camp of sorts okay. or a quarterback um because i mean the dude is a guru yeah. uh Jordan Palmer's become one of the best in all of, of football. Uh, a ton of the first-round draft picks go to him and stay with him. Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys over the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. All of the teachings that Jordan Palmer teaches are from Mike Price, oh. right? And so Mike was probably sitting there one day and he's like, you know that's all my stuff. Like, it's, like <laughs> I taught him that I should. You know, I'm like the 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 original. I'm the OG. I yeah. should do this. So he got with his son, and they started putting together some camps uh, around the inland northwest. And uh, and I think that's just gonna gonna take off like gangbusters because ah, he's such a good coach. I mean, he taught me everything about playing quarterback. I didn't know anything when I got to college. I I was not taught one uh, you know lick of of how to play quarterback in high school. It was you know run the option, run the veer you know maybe throw three or four times a game you know it was not i didn't know what cover 2 was or anything and mike <laughs> price taught me uh, everything there was to know about
0: football that's awesome Sound, i always enjoyed him I hated when he moved on but i get it um i i got to i got to actually ask go back one last question about your college career can you tell us tell me one favorite moment you had i not counting winning the apple cup or not counting going to the Rose bowl. Do you have a favorite game you, you would share? Um, oh. <laughs> excuse me.
1: Um, you know, the, uh, the temple game, <clears throat> excuse me, the temple game, my sophomore year, second game of the season, we traveled to Philadelphia. We played at the old Penn stadium, um, it was right after um, Jason McIndoo's, uh wife of a month had passed away in a car accident, oh. really. And uh, we had played so poorly at Colorado and we were all so we needed we needed something. we needed a win. And uh, and it was a great game. Henry Burris was the quarterback for Temple. Singleton, who great linebacker who I played with in Dallas. I mean, it was, and, and I started out on fire. I think I completed like my first 15 <laughs> passes. I threw four touchdowns and ran one and I threw a touchdown to Chad Carpenter with just seconds ticking off the clock to win the game. And, uh, the celebration on the sideline crying, just, you know, falling into each other's arms, um, the emotionality of it, of it all. You just, we, we hadn't as a football player, you compartmentalize it and, and it was done, and we had, you know, worked our tails off um, to get that win. And, and the celebration that night was – I always – I think back at that game as one of the, the best experiences uh, of my time at Washington State, you know, notwithstanding, the, of course, the Apple Cup to get to the Rose Bowl and the Rose Bowl itself.
0: Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um... You, 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 what, what, what do you, besides doing your show back East, what do you, I know you've been traveling for the last few years. You're talking to college, college players. You're talking to um, people. I I apologize. I don't remember the name, but about being in the sober house, you go, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it's, I read about it and it's very inspiring what you do, but will you share with our listeners what you do?
1: Yeah. I mean uh, the foundation of, of what I have to do to get this life that I get to lead now. It, it's, it's rooted in service, uh, service to others, um, mainly around recovery and, and mental health,
0: okay.
1: whether that's just reducing stigma or, or actually getting my hands dirty and, and, and working with people who are, who are new in recovery and, and, and things like that. That's the basis. That's what changed for me when I walked out of prison. Um, because if I made it about myself, uh, nothing was ever going to change, and so I started making it about other people, and so that's the foundation. I just recently signed uh, a partnership deal with the Menninger Clinic out of Houston. They're one of the, you know, most state-of-the-art psychiatric, substance abuse, and mental health facilities in the country. Um, and it's a wonderful platform for me uh, because I have tons of people that reach out um, and ask for help, and I at times felt overwhelmed because, you know, I just didn't have you know, the relationship with a facility that maybe could help, you know, help like I needed them to. And, and now that, that the Menninger clinic and I have uh, partnered up, I mean, it's, it's streamlined stuff, right? I, I trust them. I, our values match. And so I'm able to, you know, you know, there's a roadmap to the solution that I talk about now. And so that's huge. That's the, that is the foundation of what I do, um, along with the travel in the country and speaking, whether that's the college, uh, football players and their teams in the fall I'm, I'm headed to alabama for almost two weeks here in, in the next couple of weeks speaking uh, throughout the state of alabama for the university of alabama as well as the the alabama state bar association so it okay. it's so far i mean everybody everybody's touched by this doesn't matter the economic situation uh or or not it 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 affects everybody so it's imperative that that that's at the the heart of what i do and what that has allowed that's allowed me to stay connected in my recovery which you know if i'm if i'm not sober if i'm not clean i'm 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 worthless to anybody um because i'm so selfish because it's all about me so it, it bolsters my recovery and then allows me to have you know the most amazing like what you may call a side career, right, is in broadcasting. I I have my own daily TV show revolving around college and NFL football with Points Bet Sportsbook. Mm-hmm. Uh we do our show out of out of New York. We just moved to Connecticut as a family, you know, found our dream house, allowing our son to grow up with changing seasons and snow and and in a big yard and and so I'm just You know, I used to think the life of my dreams was playing professional football on Sundays. And I mean, it's nowhere near it, you know. Um, And then I'm kind of a mercenary, you know, for everybody else. right? I I do three to four radio shows on Sirius XM, NFL radio, ESPNU, Pac-12 during the week. um, I call games for ESPN, college football games on Saturdays during the fall. And then Westwood One has me call uh, NFL games on Sundays, Thursdays uh, or Saturdays. you know, during the season as well. Good morning football has really given me a neat opportunity for the NFL network. I do a couple, uh, segments with them a week, um, cause it's right there in New York. And, uh, you know, so I mean, that's a lot of stuff, but I'm like a shark, right? If I, if I'm not moving, I'm like, I'm just, I have to be moving like idle hands for me are a problem. It's an idle mind. <laughs> so that's all the stuff I'm doing. And then at the at the very forefront of that I'm a dad to a 5-year-old and I'm a partner to a, a un- unbelievably uh, you know understanding and caring wife and so you know that's that's the the beginning of my bio and all my things are dad you know and and uh, uh husband and and uh and recovering addict like those are the those are the three things that sit at the foundation everything else that comes after that it's just gravy
2: well, you, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned your, your show, uh, I, this last, this week, you've taken a, a pretty firm position regarding the, uh, week 18 games or yeah, week 18. I'm still thrown by the extra week now I know in the NFL. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you, you, you've taken a pretty strong stance that the, that the game should be delayed, um, at, regarding the tragic, hit, you know, injury that happened, uh, on Monday night football. Um, I'm curious if that position has changed at all in the last 24 hours with the news from Friday night's, uh, Friday afternoon's practice where he was able to FaceTime. Uh, DeMar Hamlin was able to FaceTime with the team and, and, and give them, you know, a message and, you know, he's, he's conscious, he's alert, he's talking with family and friends, he's you know, it's it, it, all positive, it's all great. He's still, from what I understand he's still in critical condition and I agree you know, the game takes second, second place absolutely to life, but um, I'm just curious if your position has changed in any regard regarding that. It may have softened a little, but then I, I talked to a couple um,
1: current players mm-hmm. and they were struggling a lot yeah. uh, with their mental health this week, and because um, they were triggered Monday night, there oh. was some real PTSD. Yeah. It, it happened in my house. It happened, and I've talked to a bunch of former players who I've had on the show this week too, and it same kind of reaction, right? You mm-hmm. you have this. My wife started was crying in bed, and I started. Uh, having these physical, physical symptoms from the back of my neck became like a stove oven, just, just fire hot. And I started to sweat. And, uh, uh, and so I I think when I came out and talked about it, people misinterpreted that I thought the injury needed to be somehow figured out how to make it safer. You're not going to make that injury safer. That is the freakish, uh, um, most out of their uh, injury. It was a normal routine, arbitrary tackle. That happened, you're not going to remove that from the game. All right. You, you're just not. My concern is for the 1,800 players still in the league. It, it costs you nothing. I, I I, really don't believe it costs you anything to get rid of the Pro Bowl, take that week. You know, just let these 1,800 young men have an extra few days to breathe, to check in with one another, to check in with their teammates, to check in with their family, and then check in with their mental health. It, it you know, I don't care how great the news is, is the last couple of days, Buffalo Bills players are running on fumes. There's going to be, I really think there's going to be a quarter or two of this adrenaline craziness with this football team. And then ultimately, you know, if the chiefs will have one um, I expect them to just kind of like, you know, say, Hey, let's, let's just, let's just care for one another and get back to the barn and and we'll be the number one, we'll be the number two seed regardless. So I, I don't, I don't quite understand it to be, to be honest with you. Uh, if the NFL continues to talk about their, their care for their, their health and safety of the player and the wellness, uh, it would have been, you know, if I was in charge, it would have been an easy decision. Like, okay, we're just going to take this weekend off, allow everybody to heal, uh, come together, um, and, and and really applaud, you know, DeMar Hamlin, and um, how much he fought and how the world came together to support him. And then we'll get back at it next week when we have had, um, because the compartmentalizing, your muscle memory takes over. Like, we saw Monday night. We saw Buffalo defense chop back out of the field. We saw Mike Milano doing his jumping jacks, getting ready to go. We saw uh, Stephon Diggs imploring his teammates to kind of get fired up and get ready again. If it weren't for Zach Taylor, who didn't send his offense out, walked over to Sean McDermott. The muscle memory aspect of things, you that just takes control. You're in shock. Yeah. And so that's those are the things I was commenting on. What I couldn't uh comprehend was just the the vitriol the vitriol of of fans coming at me yeah. this week about how stupid that was uh and comparing jobs. I hate it. The false oh. equivalency of of comparing jobs. There's no other job like being a professional football player. You make millions of dollars. <laughs> you work for 3 hours a day, right? On Sunday. There is no jo- uh equivalency for you to compare jobs. So I hated that this week. I also hated that they, you know, you know, they just said they just get back to work and like that. It's what, what harm is it to take a few breaths, take a few days to make sure people's mental health are good. Because if you're not mentally ready to play a professional NFL football game, like things can go bad. Like you can get hurt. You can hurt other people, right? Careers can end. And when you're making millions of dollars a year, you want that career to last as long as you can. So, um, you know, as the NFL, you know, and Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell, those guys just—they um, simply know they they can replace anybody, right? I mean, every year there's going to be a new crop of talent uh, to come through, right? They, they they ride on on some of the all-time greats. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, they know they they know there's a a huge new pool of workforce of, available next year. So it's it's uh, that locker room you, full of kids that
2: you talk to, yeah, they're yeah. ready to go, yeah. Yep. No, I agree with you, and but I mean, it. it, it I I agree with the false the, the false equivalency is bothersome, but uh, I think it would apply in any job, or that you need the time. Well, you think it would, but for, there were so
1: many that make comparisons to me that they work in construction, and oh, one of the guys fell off the building and died, and we were back at work the next you day. You shouldn't and, have been. You really right, shouldn't I have mean, been. Right. That's that's the thing about mental illness. Yeah. Right, or not even mental illness, just mental health. Yeah. You can't see it. It's not a bone coming out of your leg broken. So people have such a hard time, and that's why the stigma exists and, and has existed for so long. I believe it's changing. I really do. But then you you realize that like popular culture they don't they still don't get it. Simone Biles at the Olympics, when he when she was having uh you know, those mental health issues, people like went berserk and attacked her. Like, I mean, a lot of people had her back, don't get me wrong, but the majority of people were like you know, buck up, you know, and, and not having any empathy around it. And so that was my biggest shock this week is like, where would I'm, I'm just trying to be empathetic. Yeah. Cause I know how it affected me on Monday night and I'm a former player sitting at home, not having to walk back out on a field next Sunday. My guys that, you know, what humanized them. Like they said, I could die on the football field. I always knew that may be a, be a possibility, but it was never a true reality until it was laid out in front of me on Monday night football like that. So, you know, just, just pause. You can pause. Breathe. Check in on one another. Check in with this with yourself. Those are the things I was talking about, and it just it shocked me to to see the responses this week because of it.
2: Yeah, I have to completely agree. I I mean, I never played football, and it it it, it severely impacted me. I was you know I was in tears watching it. I mean, I I couldn't handle it, and I can't imagine the players right there. And you mentioned Zach Taylor while talking over to Sean McDermott. McDermott looked like he was just not there. Yeah, he, he was in shock. He, he was, was in just, shock. He wasn't he there. He was in shock, but he knew what he needed to do. He like, knew what he needed to do and he did the he right thing. He was like, thing. I need to be with my, I need to be with my, yeah. my player. No, I, I absolutely so. yeah, he, yeah, did the right thing. He was with his players, but, it, but the ref, they, there was one shot that stuck out to me where they showed him and the refs were talking, trying to talk to him, like organizing, what are we going to do? What's happening or whatever? And he's just not there. Zoned out. Yeah. yeah he's just zoned out. I'm like, they need to stop this. But yeah, so I, yeah, completely agree. It's a good, it's a good, I I completely agree with your position. I don't understand. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I know they have, you know, tons of
1: advertising. You know, they put a bunch into this new Pro Bowls games and flag football thing. And I'm just like, you know, it's just, it kind of shows what, you know, the NFL is a money printing propaganda machine is what they are. They get it. They know it. Um, I would just respect them more or I don't know not disrespect them as much as i do publicly if they just were honest about it and were accountable you know accountable for for what they did um because it's not going to change and and no one cares no one, no one cares people people look at the nfl like a drug like every third every thursday saturday or sunday monday night like like they get to disappear from their lives for three or four hours and right and just kind of you know, numb out and uh, be somewhere else. And then it's, it's a a wonderful entertainment apparatus to, to get, to do that.
0: Um, I have to share a quick Ryan Lee story. Cause you talked about checking in. Um, many people know that my daughter ran away a few years ago and she got into drugs long story short. And uh, one day I was driving home from work and praying to God and God asked him what to do. And he told me to reach out to you, Ryan, and I, I sent you a message on Twitter and you immediately called us within hours. You talked to my wife and I, gave us some quick, speak, gave us some support and you offered to have your mom, Marsha, give us a call. And she called us and talked to us and she just helped, helped, help ease the pain, I guess I'm trying to say. And I just <clears throat> want to say I'm truly appreciative to you and to your mom and, and my wife is too. And thank you. I, because you are you're a good guy and i want people to know that you're a good guy so well i
1: you know (coughs) know, no i made it about you i didn't make it about me um i knew exactly what you were going through because i put my family through it um and that's exactly what we need to do as human beings on this planet right now yeah we need to be there for one another and it's and we watch it rear its ugly head every single day. So I appreciate you saying that, you know, no one ever knew that. And I didn't need anybody to ever know that because, you know, it was, I do it all the time, frankly, you know, people yeah. reach out all the time and I want people to have the the peaceful, unchaotic life that I have. Um, and I know that's hard. Um, and so I, it's just really, I appreciate that. I do. I'm, I'm. I'm glad that we were able to help and, and be a part uh, uh, of the healing of your family.
0: Thank you. Uh, Please tell your mom. I don't know if she'll remember him, but please tell her. Of course she will. Yeah, she will. (laughs) I hear one more quick tidbit. I heard her on a podcast with Ashley Adamson and um, Christian McCaffrey's mom. And she, long story short, did she mention that she she crowd surfed at a Husky game? Is that true?
1: (laughs) Yeah, when we won the apple cup, man. She <laughs> okay. was uh she was so damn nervous. Uh, uh, you know, she she uh she used to sneak in the barnacles, bar- barnoculars, you know, the uh the binoculars that were hollow that were filled with booze. Yeah. And uh and it was like medicine because she was so nervous about about me getting hurt. But mostly I think she was more nervous about me throwing interceptions because she, she knew like everybody else was gonna be uh <laughs> uh hating on her son for that so but by the end of the game by the end of that game in particular like that that one was the most nervous like to go to the rose bowl to win the championship all the things at husky stadium by that time she was feeling pretty good i think and then the fan the fans went crazy right and the fans were everywhere and then at one point apparently she was getting like like handed down the the wall of, <laughs> uh, the sea of, of crimson down to the field and so yeah she told she told uh uh, Ashley, uh, and, uh, and Christian's mom, uh, that story on their podcast. So I I thought that was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Um, real, I want to ask you one last question before, uh, obviously I'm still a big Wazoo fan and I'm sure you are. Um, where do you see Wazoo's football program going? I mean, I think Jake Dickert's a good, good man. And I think he can lead us to the next step. I mean, bringing us back to success? I mean, what are your thoughts on the future of Wazoo?
1: I think it's in great hands, especially with Pat Chun uh, as athletic director. Um, and then, I mean, it's funny how you know, through the, all the chaos that the the hero emerges, right? Jake Dickert was absolutely the man for the job last year having to take over in that interim setting. And then to get that team, to play that well in the biggest moments like that, uh, when all that was going on, it was a national story, right? It was, they were national reporters. It was a national story, Drugged the kids through something that they didn't have to. I remember I was covering the, uh, the PAC 12 media days and, you know, everybody's there, everybody, all the kids, except for Nick Rolovich. And it was so uncomfortable. And he put all that on those two boys, right? They put, they put it on, um, uh, those two players to have to to, to speak for him, right? Because, uh, of course, they were going to get asked the question all the time, and then Jake Dickert <coughs> just stepped to the forefront, and uh, I love him. I really do. I love him as a coach. I think any player on that team is going to run through a brick wall for him. Um, you know, offensively, you know, with Eric Morris's offense, you know, Cam Ward was just – he just didn't quite develop over the year. Um, he did some amazing things, which made you kind of forget – some of the uh, you know poor decisions and uh, not understanding the, the the moments in the games and things like that, I think you develop, and I think you learn from that. Uh, I really like Arbuckle. Uh, he's coming uh, in to do some really fun things offensively, and if if Cam can develop and, and continue to improve, I do think they're very capable. I know they will be on defense because whoever gets the defensive coordinator position, Jake Dickert's going to have his stamp on it, and that dude is smart defensively. I mean, he is a problem uh, to deal with, ask any, uh, PAC 12 school who's played him over the last two years, uh, last three years. And so, uh, uh, they need to find ways to beat teams, uh, that are, are better than them, uh, on paper and in the, on the roster and stuff like that. Cause the teams they lost to this year were all teams that had like 10 wins, right? I mean, it was, they lost to USC. They lost to Oregon state. They lost to Utah. They lost to Washington. They lost to Oregon. Uh, they they shouldn't have lost to Oregon. I'm still pissed about that deal, but <laughs> yeah. um, um, thanks for the backdoor cover, though, Cam. I appreciate that on that, that final touchdown. Um, <laughs> they just got to figure out how to win some of those games, right? The games that yeah. that they're not expected to win. And I really do think if they would have ended up getting that Oregon win, the season would have been a, a much different because I think you know they would have a, just a different resolve when they when they traveled to to play the likes of you know, USC on the road when Utah came to town with their backup quarterback, that's a game they got to win, right? That's the game they got. They got to win that one at home. Um, And then, you know, I don't think anybody was going to beat that Washington team this year. That team has no. a real shot of being, you know, I was just a year early on thinking they were going to be great, you know. Um, and Kalen DeBoer has been special. The cool thing about it is the four Northwest schools have probably the best head coaches in, in, in all of college football, really. Kalen DeBoer, uh, Jake Dickert. Uh, Jonathan Smith and and uh and Dan Lanning. I mean those guys that's going to be fun to watch those four yeah. go head to head every single year with those coaches. That's going to be a fun fun time.
2: Yeah, Jonathan Smith is is very underrated. Uh he's he's really building something there. And yes, uh, I, I, I got
1: a chance. He had me come speak to the team uh not this last fall but the the fall uh okay. leading into the 2021 season and yeah, same thing, right? When you find the right guy, uh the culture is just there um and that, and it was so cool about um traveling country in the fall and doing that right I get to see it happen in real time like I was at Kansas before the season started this year with Lance Leipold and I was like this place is I mean <laughs> the talent wasn't you know the talent wasn't over overly impressive but like the culture was so good and when they jumped out to a 5-0 and start I was like Oh, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I was at Florida State. I was at Florida State this year, uh, and Mike Norvell is the same kind of guy. I mean, just got those kids locked in. They he, he, they know he he loves them. He'd do anything for them. And he went out and won 10, you know, double digit games this year, right? I mean, it, it's fun to be at those programs, kind of see them on the way up, and, and see how it's being developed. And Jake Dickert is is definitely one of those coaches so i expect big things to continue at washington state it will be interesting to see how they navigate the nil and the transfer portal but i think it, I, I don't think it's going to change much they're not going to be able to pay guys and the kids that want you know big money you know go go somewhere else you're not there for the right, right reasons anyway but if you want to transfer to washington state you're going to be well coached you're going to get a chance to go play at the next level you're going to get a great education live in a great town um and all of those things that come with it uh and and i think the portal is actually going to to buoy the Washington state football team, Cause so I think they're gonna be able to find some gems. Uh, you know, Dan Henley was not a guy that, I mean, people knew him, but I mean, dude came into this season and all of a sudden just, you know, became a NFL prospect with yeah. what he can do. And, and that's in Jake Dickert's defense. So there are kids outside that are watching this play out and you're going to get some pretty good ones. You're going to get kids that, that, that are five-star guys that, you know, maybe it just didn't work out where they're at, but, yeah, you know, they can have a a, a real career and, and play really
2: well at Washington State. They won't be riding the pine at Alabama. They'll come start for Waz for Wazoo. Yeah, you know, that that's great that they get the opportunity. I I like the uh, the transfer portal.
0: Um, uh, Matt forgot to ask. So I'm going to ask. What, what's with your What's with your little brother going to Oregon? Uh. I mean, did you shame him when he went to Oregon, or or were you jealous that he chose the better school? <laughs> You know,
1: I was, I was just, I was happy Boise. It was, it was between Boise state, uh, Oregon had not come a calling yet. So I always tell people a funny joke that no one would even know who Kellen Moore was. If uh, Brady leaf would have went to, to Boise state. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but if, if Mike would have stayed at Washington state, I'm pretty sure that, that Brady would have went to Wazoo, Fair um, enough he just didn't want to go to the South. They kept recruiting. I mean, he didn't want to go to Alabama. Um, he wanted to stay in the Northwest where he could fish and be in the, be in the outdoors. And then when Oregon came, I mean, it was just a perfect fit at the time. They were uh, a drop back passing team with Kellen Clemens, uh, you know, with what they did offensively. And then during that process, they brought Chip Kelly in and that, that changed significantly. Right. It went to more of that athletic quarterback and, and B- Brady probably up, right? could have left at some point went yeah. someplace else. he just fell in love with Eugene. He fell in love with his friends. Um, awesome. you know he just he he, he he understood what football was. It was different than than me. He understood that it it, it was a it was a pathway to a, a, a better life. Uh, free education um great friends, great connections, business world connections. Um, especially at the University of Oregon, and he so he soaked it all up, and he got some opportunity to play. He did. Kellen Kel- Clemens went down; he played a ton. Dennis Dixon went down; he had some of the biggest wins there. Um, uh, you can imagine uh, some big game wins as, as the quarterback. So he he enjoyed his time in college, and and then I think I think the Jets wanted him to come uh, as a free agent, and he had either that opportunity or go up for six months on an Alaska fishing boat and be a guide. And he said, "I'm going to go guide." And that's what he did uh, instead. He's like, I, I saw, I saw what the NFL did to my brother, and I'm uh-huh. just like, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be Tom Brady. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go worry about that.
2: He knew what he wanted to do.
1: Yeah, he did. He did. He's yeah. kind of, he's always kind of, you know, walked at a, at a, to a different drummer, and he continues that in his, in his, uh, in his 30s, late 30s now, and just can't be prouder of him. Uh,
0: uh, of both my brothers. That's awesome. Um, we like to give Matthew Page a bunch of crap for going to Oregon on the show, so I had to ask. <laughs> uh, um, so
1: we, we, we have a really good bet. We, <laughs> we do. We have a good bet every year. We have a big steak dinner bet every year on it. Um, and and Washington State's had some pretty good success against oh, Oregon, yeah. so I, have- I I haven't like been you know beat down and and paying for for meals every year. I uh, and now that I'm kind of in the sports betting world, I'm making sure I'm getting the points and that's why I'm happy that, you know, this year. So I, I got the steak dinner coming to me this year. Yeah. I didn't, awesome. I
2: didn't necessarily enjoy the Mike Leach, uh, uh, you know, tenure there at, uh, at Wazoo. I think he beat us like four times in a row or something. It was yeah, nuts. He did. Uh, um, very good. But we're getting near the end of our, our time here. And I, I, I we've got a question that we, we have to ask, you know, we, you, you uh you introduced us to your son at the beginning and gotta know why why he's named MacGyver. Are you a big Richard Dean Anderson fan or you know, at the show? No, uh
1: we spell it M C G Y V E R, so it's not okay. even spelled like the T V show. But it's where we heard the name. Okay. okay. My my folks were visiting down in California when we were pregnant and uh we put a list of names together. And uh, my mom hates this story, by the way.
0: And,
1: uh, <laughs> I just, I said, I said, MacGyver. And my mom kind of chuckled. And then we kept doing, and I assumed she wrote it down. And and uh, we went through some more names. And then when she handed the list to, to my wife, Anna, when we got home, we looked at the list. And I, I looked at it and I was like, she didn't put MacGyver down there. <laughs> and, uh, and I looked at Anna and she's like, it's MacGyver then and so it was kind of, it was kind of spiteful it was kind of spiteful you know wives and mother-in-laws all the things that go into that yeah but but it fits him perfectly uh you know i call him Mick G. that's usually what i call him um he's he's such a fun kid and my my parents just love the name of course love it now because they love him oh, yeah and uh and it's just it's just a perfect name Mac- macgyver fitzgerald leaf so my brothers call him mcfitzy and uh <laughs> so it's yeah it's it's great he's the best he's just turned five it's a really good age i mean dude is we, we, this shows a lot you know cte people out there all right he has this little um app on our ipad called abc mouse and it has this uh memory game where it's just the cards right you, you flip them over and see if you can remember where the cards are and 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 do it. Well we played we played on the train cuz he came into the into work with me uh on Wednesday. And uh <laughs> we played on the train like eight times. He beat me seven out of the eight times. <laughs> the oh. eighth time I tied him. Um one time he it's it's a it's it's I think it's eight um matches you can come up with one game he beat me seven to one oh uh and the only reason i got the one is because i just i opened the game and dumb luck just picked t- the two out of nowhere he even said it like how'd you do that you know <laughs> and uh magic i mean it shows like the 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 age right when you're young and you're just you're learning and you are just in my mind you know my i couldn't remember my short-term memory i couldn't remember i mean literally like right after i flipped over one that said hot and trying to, to match them with hot and cold. I couldn't even, I couldn't remember. He's just like, dad, it's right here. You know, and it's, it was hard to take, but really proud of him.
0: Awesome. Um, <laughs> we've come to the end of our show. Uh, we always like to, Ryan, we always like to end our show on a positive note. So we call it a, a shout out, shout out to a person, place, or thing. That's really special to you. Um, let's go ahead and start with you, Ryan. What? Go ahead and give us a shout out, please.
1: Glenn. <laughs>
0: uh, did did Oh, uh, go ahead with the shout out Ryan? Which, uh, yeah, do person, you have uh,
2: someone you want to you want to give credit to person, or place or, or, thing. Out or
0: Yeah. Per- person place thing.
1: Uh uh shout out to Damar Hamlin just for uh humanizing um the NFL player this week and showing everybody the fight. Uh and uh and just he's he was just an absolute inspiration to me and my family this week for sure it was a really good teaching moment to be able to kind of you know I didn't my son didn't know what happened but I got to talk to him about uh, this this hero out there that uh, played the game that daddy loves and daddy did and he was hurting and and how much um, how much love and how much togetherness he brought together um, all over this country um, by him fighting the way he did. Uh
0: Ryan, do you have any quick social media you'd like to promote?
1: At Ryan D. Leaf and on on all the platforms. Uh okay. pretty simple, you know. Uh I think Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um uh, and then you can go to uh Points bet Sportsbook on on YouTube, and my show airs every day called The Straight Line with, with Ryan Leaf. Kind of a little play on words, we thought. Uh, <laughs> uh and it's 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 going well. I'm having I'm really enjoying having my own show. Um shout out to Rich Eisen uh for giving me all those opportunities to really work on my craft to host a 3 hour show on my own uh it really makes it easy to do what I do now so a big reason why I actually got the show
0: was because of Rich so shout out to him too awesome Matthew Page shout out
2: uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my sister uh she's going through some some health issues and and uh she has surgery on on Monday and uh, I'm thinking good thoughts and uh, everything will everything will go well and two quick shout outs
0: one is to my beautiful wife just thanks for putting up with me every single day i love you and shout out to you ryan i, I truly you truly mean a lot to me and I, and i followed your career up, ups and downs but i've always prayed for you and been a huge fan and you're an inspiration to me so keep up the great job that you're doing
1: Appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for uh,
0: thanks for having me. I'm glad I could be a part of your show. Thank you. Um, thanks. Thank you all for joining us on the Sales Sports Union podcast. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Captivate, and Spotify. Happy New Year, everyone.